life. I could sit here and I could give us many ways that we could encourage one another by giving, right? And by sharing and remembering. But, but we need to make this personal and think about those people in our life and that, that God has placed in our life. How can we encourage people this week through our giving and sharing and remembering. And church, I'm not even talking about the giving and the the black box there, our offering box this morning. I'm talking about going above and beyond the tithes and offerings and saying, I'm going to give and care for this person. One way that you can do that, we're starting a... um, an offering for this month. As you all know, we uh, were part of the uh, National Southern Baptist Convention um, until this past fall, and we uh, had since departed. If you have questions about that, you can come talk to us. But we would always do the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, the, East, uh, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. These were two missions offerings, and we want to continue that in some way, shape, or form. And what better way to do that than to partner with who we're already partnering with? Amen. So one thing we're going to do, the Furches family is, uh, am I saying that right, Liz? I get your, your, your family's, uh, your, your maiden name right. Uh, Liz's brother, um, we are supporting him and his uh, wife, Carrie, and their children um, and their mission uh, around the globe. And what we're doing this month is we're taking up an offering for the Furches family. If you give online, you can click that tab and go down and give directly to the Furches Mission Fund um, for this month. We're going to do it all month long, and then what we're going to do is uh, Liz is going to buy them supplies before they go back home. And where is home for them again? Indonesia. Yeah. I always want to say India, and then I know that I'm wrong. And again, there's just things where I'm just... In West Virginia, we used to spin a globe and just try and pronounce the name. So Indonesia is where they are, and we're really thankful they're getting ready to go back. So church, not only do we want to, to supply some, uh, meet some of their needs, uh, but we want to be praying for them. We want to be encouraging them through prayer and through giving. And this is what Paul did. Paul does that here in chapter 20. It says, after, in verse 1, after the uproar ceased, talking about the riot in chapter 19, Paul sent for the disciples, and after what, church? Encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much, what, church? Encouragement. He came to Greece. Say, Say that a little louder. Encouragement. Amen. Be encouraged. He's, he's sharing encouragement. Verse 3. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return to Macedonia. So Pater, the Berean, son of Phyrus, accompanied him, and the son of, and of the Thessalonians, Aristocrus, and uh, Secondus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians, Tysus, and Trophimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we, set, uh, we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in the five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So there's one, they're, they're coming out of the riot of chapter 19, and then there's this new plot that's coming towards Paul in verse 3. They spent three months where there was a plot made against the Jews, as he's about to set sail. So he's getting ready to set sail because that would be the easiest way to get there, right? Like West Virginia, when I go back home, what I want to do is I want to hit 77 South, go all the way down to Charleston, West Virginia, and I hit 64 West. That's my easiest route to get home, right? But if I knew that there was going to be someone down near like the Willing area, and they were like, yeah, they're going to get you. You can't go back home. Guess who's not going to take 77 South to 64 West? Me, right? I'll take a long route ahead. So that's what he did. He stuck by the land, and he went around. He made it a much longer journey, which was, 
I bet very aggravating, right? I, I was thinking about it this week, how we take for granted that we can just hop in our cars and just, I just see people speed through parking lots and stuff and we don't need people with like little banners like directing us and telling us which way to go. We just, we just get up and go, right? Some of us, like our keys are just in our pocket. We don't even have to put it in. We just go. And Paul is just continually faced with this persecution and people trying to stop the gospel. But what does he continue doing? Encouraging. So actually, one of the things, you're maybe like, okay, but where's the giving? Where's the offering here? This was the time where he's actually, um, we, we read in, in other books, like Romans 15, 26 through 27, that, that Paul was taking up an offering for the church in Jerusalem. So during the midst of all this, that's what's great. You can read Acts, and then you can stop, and you can go and read the epistles, because Paul is writing that during this journey. Luke is, is capturing big picture Right In Acts, we get to see all the things that was going on through the apostles and how the gospel was advancing and churches were being planted. And then we read in the epistles when Paul's on this journey that he's writing to these churches in various places. But Romans 15, 26 through 27 says this. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be able to service them in material blessings. So Paul is talking about that, that this is a good thing that we would take up, not just money, right? Or not just, just uh, spiritual things, but even the physical, the material things. That this is good and it's something we ought to do. And one of the things that we, we talk about here a lot is that we need to take care of our church, Right? We need to care for and love on our church family. Yes, we need to reach the outside. Yes, we need to, to dump and invest money into outreach and into the youth group. Right, Pastor Simon and I were talking about that this week. The, the youth group, that, when you talk to other churches about youth groups, what they will say is it's a, it's a money thing. Right, There's, You're going to invest money and money and money into teenagers. And guess what? That's a good thing. Because the gospel is going out to many and many and many teenagers. When we invest money into outreach, it's because we want to see the gospel advance and people get a chance to hear the word of God as we are out sharing about the word of God. But even more so with our church family, with the saints, the people who have been adopted and bought by the blood of Jesus, we ought to be caring for them and meeting needs. I mean, seriously, think, think about in our life, and maybe some of you all have thought about it a hypothetical. What, what would you do if, if your brother or sister, your mom or your dad, or some close relative was in need? Like some of us set aside money for those moments, for those opportunities to be able to care for them, right? Like we budget. Some of us don't know what that word is, right? Like budget, like what's well, budget, right? And some of us, some of you budget for those things. Like what happens if Aunt Sally goes down? How are we gonna care for her? Well, church, what about our brothers and sisters in Christ? Where the, the word of God has given us a clear command to care for them and to meet their needs and to take up offerings and to sacrificially give. In the midst of all this trial, in the midst of all this chaos, Paul being run out of towns, being, his head being sought after, is still taking up an offering and writing Right? We, we read in the letters where Paul is asking about this, this offering. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
Here at New Hill Church, we believe in tithing, but we believe that to be a rule of thumb. It means you can blow that out of the water. But Pastor Gary's challenge just as much as just throw $2 in the offering box. Maybe tithing's a new concept for you. You're like, absolutely not. Like, I, I'm saved. I believe in Jesus. This is a new thing to me. I'm not giving 10%. Okay. The challenge is just give. Can you, can you sacrificially, faithfully, consistently give? And what Paul writes here, this is like one of the, the few places we get anything about giving in the New Testament. It doesn't mean that tithing's done. But Paul is raising the bar. He says, don't give out of compulsion. Don't give reluctantly. Some of us may give the, the fattest checks. Some of us may give the most to the purchase family that we've ever given out of anything. But are we doing it reluctantly? Are we doing it out of compulsion? Or are we doing it to the glory of God to meet the needs of the saints? Because church, I can tell you something. The purchase family, every dollar, that's going to mean something. It's going to go a long way. Not just to meet that need, but to encourage them. To encourage them as they... They, they settle back into their home in Indonesia. As their kids get adjusted back to the lifestyle over there, it's going to encourage them. And as things get difficult over there and they remember the partnerships that they have with missionaries and, and churches and, and church plants like us, churches that have been established and only four and a half years old, it's going to be an encouragement. And then we get to hear about what is going on over there because of our partnership. You get to be encouraged and you get to see what's going on. It's a mutual partnership in the gospel that we can encourage them in church, they can encourage us. If you go out to our mission wall, the here, near, and far, you can read some updates. And I'll give you some updates. Uh, Pastor Josh of New Haven Church in West Virginia was encouraging me with some things. I said, hey, brother, how can we be praying for you? Like, what are some things that are going on? Can you give us some updates? We've got a, a cool, fancy wall that the, the ladies hooked us up with, and, and we want to make sure that we're keeping that updated. Well, we got to get it updated, but I got some information. They've got some new deacons that are stepping up to the plate, to, to step into the, the office of uh, the Iconite. They've got some elders stepping up, new men coming ready to preach the word of God. They've got a breakfast going on every Saturday where they're feeding the homeless and they're just in meeting and encouraging the saints of their church, but inviting the outside to come in and have breakfast. And they've been able to share the gospel with many homeless, uh, some of the veterans down in, in the hollers of West Virginia. Let me tell you something, church, that goes a long way. And it's so encouraging to hear what is going on. And guess what? We're helping support that. We get to pray for them. We get to give to them. And church, we ought to go to them and be a part of what they're doing sometime too. Encourage the saints by giving. This is so important and should not be missed. In the midst of all this, Paul is taking up an offering for the saints. We ought to give, we ought to care for, we ought to meet the needs. And sometimes, guess what? Some of us are thinking, like, how am I going to be able to do that? What's sacrifice? It's the Meadows family sitting down and saying, yeah, we're not going to be able to do A, B, and C as much this month. We're not going to, and guess what? Some of you are like, oh, you're not going to get, A, B, and C is like Starbucks. It's like that extra Chipotle. It's like double barbacoa. It's little things like that. And, and it can be funny, right? Like we're, we're like, double barbacoa. Like, guess what? It adds up. I downloaded this Mint budget app, and it like connects to QuickBooks, and like it connects to my, my bank account, and it tells me, it categorizes how much I spend on things, and I'm like blown away, right? How, how many of you all have watched that Love is Blind show? Be honest, and not just the ladies, men. How many of you men? 
Yeah, Pastor Mark, you can raise your hand too. They're like, I'll raise my hand. I'm not alone in this, right? And we were watching. I love these social experiments. I love these reality shows. And it went to the, this one guy, Shane. Shane was his name. And uh, the, the girl he got engaged to, she's like, all right, so like, how much do you like spend on yourself? Like, how much do you spend on food a month? He's like, like two. She's like, oh, 200? Like, that's not bad. He's like, no, like 2,000. I'm like, you're a 32-year-old bachelor. You're not a growing boy. 2,000 on food. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I look at Mint's budget app, and I'm like, I spend, like, uh, not 2000 on food, but I spend, like, ridiculous money or, like, silly money on petty things. Guess what, church? The Bible commands that we encourage one another. A lot of us like to talk about, don't neglect to meet together, that Bible verse, but that Bible verse goes on to say, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Lord's coming back. Not only should we meet together, we should encourage one another through giving and through sharing. Point number two, sharing. It's so important that, that we, we share. And I'm not saying, like, share your things, right? Like, this isn't. How many of you kiddos, you all share all your stuff, right? You all struggle with sharing. Sometimes I struggle with sharing. Uh, you know, Aubrey will ask me, you know, if she can have, like, some of my fancy coffee. And I'm like, no, like, you can have, like, the, the leftover one. Or you can, have, uh, you can have, like, the weak cup. Like, you can have, like, the glass cup, not my fancy cup. And Aubrey's, like, always wanting to take my flaming Hot Doritos, right? And sometimes I'm like, I just don't want, I don't want to share those, right? And even the family bag is, like, it's not enough to share. Like, that's, like, family size of, like, a long time ago, right? But we're supposed to share, we're supposed to share. I know I'm not wrong. That's, that's the truth right here, brother. Let me tell you. We're supposed to share. We're supposed to share our life with one another. Look at what's going on. Not only is he taking up an offering, but he's sharing himself. He's sharing what he has. And I'm not talking about sharing toys, right? I'm talking about life and sharing life and encouragement, the ups and the downs. It says that he goes on in verse 2 and had given them much encouragement. And then he came to Greece, right? And it goes on, set sail to Syria after, and that he decided to return through Macedonia because of the, uh, the problem that lied ahead that they were going to try and take him out, right? And it says that they, they go on gathering bread and they were encouraging one another. They were encouraging one another. And you see that and you read that and it keeps on hitting. And this is so important that we understand that there's, it's not just a financial sacrifice. It is a life sacrifice where we are sharing ourselves. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says that, that we were so excited, we were so desirous of you that we shared not only the, the gospel of God, but also our own selves, our lives. And that takes sacrifice. I mean, it seems like week in and week out, maybe we're, we're, we're talking about the same things, but that's how important this is. That it, it's like you can, you can write the check and maybe you've got that part down and maybe, maybe you're at 15, 20%. Maybe you just give away your whole salary, right? I don't know and it doesn't matter, but then there's also the other aspect that it's not just our finances where we're just writing something off, but it's also being hands-on. And I'm not talking just, hey, are you volunteering with the kids? I'm talking about, are you sharing your life? And see, the, the, the troublesome part about this point is instead of sharing our life and instead of sharing encouragement, we're instead despising our brothers and sisters in Christ and tearing down the body which we've been adopted and made a part of. 
What does John 13, 34, and 35 say? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Those of you who can, can you read this with me? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says, that's how they'll know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. And now I'm not talking about love that just, just forgets sin. I'm talking about love that forgives sin. So when a brother or sister sins, not just against you, but against the holy triune God, then you'd call them out with love and with grace, but with the reconciliation of them and God in mind, with the reconciliation of them and you in mind, not just to despise them, not just to tear them down, but to reconcile them according to the word of God to the one true God. This is so important, and here we are. We find ourselves in these petty little fights with Christians. We, we find ourselves in, in jealous moments where we're despising other believers and, and now we're talking bad about them when the word of God so clearly says we are to encourage one another by sharing our lives, by sharing a word, by sharing that encouragement of what's going on in our life. You know what's encouraging? It's encouraging to hear someone just fall to their knees and just lament. Why? Because they've known and recognized that they're in a desperate position where they need the only thing that they need, God. They've realized that. I love when, when people are vulnerable and open and honest about the struggles of their life. That's not discouraging to me. That's encouraging to me. Because they've recognized their need for their Savior. Not just at the moment of salvation, but during every moment of sanctification. That means being made into the likeness of God. And you cannot be made into the likeness of God if you are not willing to draw near to the one true God. We cannot be sanctified when we're sitting here bad-mouthing other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I mean, that goes further, right? We shouldn't be like, ah, are you a believer? Okay, I can bad-mouth you. Right? Like, I can, I, can, I can make you feel bad. You're not a believer, right? No. But especially our brothers and sisters. James talks about this. He's talking about taming the tongue and, and how our, our words are not what they ought to be. He says, one second we're praising God. This is the Michael Meadows translation, right? But you can go and read it. One minute we're praising God, like this morning, right? We're singing, and it was powerful. I hear all of you in the back. Like, I love sitting up in the front. Like, this is my pitch for some of you all to sit up in the front, right? Don't, don't just, like, leave the Howe family, the Bartos family, and the Dubois family up here alone, right? Like, these front two rows, you can fill them up. Because you get to hear everybody behind you just singing and lifting up praises, and it gives you a hope for the future. We're praising God and then we leave here and someone cuts us off. And, right? It's not what it ought to be. When we're cursing those who are made in the image of God and our brothers and sisters who have been bought by the blood of God, man, we ought to be encouraging one another through our giving and our sharing. Not neglecting to meet together, encouraging one another all the more, day by day, every day, encouraging one another. Shooting a text, hey, how are you doing? How's life going? Checking in on you. Love you, brother. Love you, sister. Hope you're doing well. This is a family. 
I remember I, I got a lot of flack for that. They, they teased me because it was something I always said back at our home church in, in West Virginia. They'd give me the microphone, have me do an ounce. Welcome, we're a family here at New, Hill, or New Heights Church then. And, and like New Hill, we say that here too. And they'd always be like, hey, I'm Michael Meadows. I'm, one of the, I'm the student pastor and we're a family here. Guess what we are? We are. And our family is greater than everybody in this room because this family is the capital C church. So all our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be lifting up and encouraging Day by day. Now it takes being intentional. It takes looking for moments. It takes speaking up when you're like, uh, mm. and if we want to be real honest, here, let me, let me give you an example, right? Like sometimes we've got the words in our head. Some of you all got some real good thoughts, right? You pin it down to paper, maybe you post it, but a lot of those other thoughts, we just leave them in our head. Aubrey and I were in a spat and um, I needed to apologize, right? And I'm sitting here in my head, and I'm like, that sounds really lame. Like, if that comes out of my mouth, she's going to think I'm lame. Like, hey, Ob, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm like, I struggle with this, and I'm emotional. And, you know, like, sometimes I get emotional, and I know that's not cool. I'm like, you know how lame that sounds? I'm like, just say it. And I started talking to her, and I was like, man, that felt good. It felt good to get it out. And sometimes, church, if you're with another believer and they're telling you that times are tough, maybe instead of just saying, like, oh, it's all going to work out, maybe you open up and tell them about your struggle. Or maybe you read to them a, a, a word from the Lord from the word of the Lord and encourage them. It is awkward at times. It's like trying to admit your fault to your spouse or your loved one or your friend. It's not easy. But it's a command from God that we do it. And Paul, in the midst of having his head being hunted after was still taking up offerings and sharing his life. And all of that church is easy. It's easy to encourage when we remember God, when we remember the things of God. Point number three, remembering. We encourage one another through remembering the sacrifice of Christ. This is so important, and this is gonna lead us into communion. So here we have, kiddos, the boy who fell out of the window, right? The, yes, someone said yes. Here, listen, let me tell you something. This boy fell out of the window, and I'm about to read this, but let me tell you, some of these commentaries, and, and uh, we're talking about the, the boy, and I was reading Matthew Henry's commentary, and I'm like, man, I wonder what they're gonna say about the boy, and Matthew Henry's like, the boy should have never fallen asleep, and he would not have died. And I'm like, I'm like man, that is, that is so not what I was expecting. I'm like, it's not this boy's fault. Why is it not this boy? Because Paul was preaching into the night, right? It was midnight, and this young man falls asleep in the window, and he falls out, and let's read about it. Poor little Eutychus. Verse number seven. On the first day of the week, which is Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up, what? Dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and ta uh, taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed and they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted the encouragement they get here. But, but here, let's focus in a little bit. So why is Paul preaching so long? He's getting ready to leave. 
Like, like the opportunity to get to sit and just pick an apostle's brain, and like ask them questions and hear them preach. And like they didn't have the New Testament, just let's turn to Ephesians church, let's turn to Galatians, all right, let's go to Romans, let's go to Revelation. They didn't have the benefit of that. They could turn to the Old Testament, which they did, as Paul would preach, as the apostles would preach, and the early church preached, they would have their Bibles ready and they'd turn to the Old Testament to make sure that the things Paul was saying were so. That's important. That's why we don't put the main scripture up on the wall, we want to make sure we're bringing our Bibles. Even if it's in your phone, then you can highlight and take notes and remember these things. It's important that we're turning to the Word of God. But they knew Paul was getting ready to leave. And just like a relative. Have you all ever had a relative stay and you're like, man, like it's our last night to hang out? Or like maybe kiddos, like right at the end of summer break, mom and dad will let you stay up a little later. And you're like, hey, I've got to take every moment I can. I was talking to Josh. Uh, he experienced this this past weekend. He said he was down visiting some friends, and he's like, all right, we had one late night, and then uh, he, the, his buddy called off, and he said, man, we're going to stay up late again. And I was like, did you do it? And he's like, of course I did. You want to know why Brother Josh did that? The same reason any of us would. When we have limited time with those we love, we make some sacrifices. We stay up late into the night. It's not like just staying up late and playing video games for no reason. It's like you want to like enjoy and experience that time with your loved ones. And that's the time that they had with Paul. So Paul was an extra Baptist, not an Anabaptist, an extra Baptist uh, this, this evening. Because he goes till midnight preaching. And then after this, he goes until the break of dawn, right? He goes all the way till the sun comes up. He's just preaching and preaching and preaching. But while this happens, and Paul's preaching about what? the resurrection of Christ. He's teaching and preaching about the deity of Jesus and explaining to him, right? That's much of what the messages and sermons were. They were explaining what had happened at Pentecost. They were explaining what happened in the tomb and how Jesus wasn't dead, but he was alive and he was raised on the third day. Eutychus, sitting in the window. Some of you all think that's, that's crazy, but it was a good way to get some air. And a lot of people, even Pastor Gary and I were talking this past week, a lot of people still in foreign countries, they, they sit in the window, right? You, you sat on your mission trip, they'd kind of just walk up to the window, right? Like I said, let's not try that here. Let's not open windows and see what, like, just kids just come start standing in the window. From West Virginia, we believe in children of the corn, right? Like, just, just show up, and you're like, who is that, Right? But that's what would happen. They would sit, and they're sitting in the third-story window, and he falls. Unlike Matthew Henry, I don't, I don't blame the child, the young man. I don't blame the young man. It's late into the night. But Paul goes down, and he says, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. He says Paul had gone up. He broke him bread. They had a meal. Church, when they gathered, they took communion they remembered the sacrifice of Christ. And what better way than seeing the victory that we have in Jesus? Church, kiddos, we don't look to the dead and say, get up anymore. But this moment was a moment and a reminder and a remembrance of the life and the victory we have in Christ Jesus. You see what I'm saying? What, what happened here is not the norm. We don't go up when, when a loved one passes away and say, hey guys, their life is in them. But church, we have full assurance that if they were in Christ and Christ in them, that they are living and breathing and their eternity has begun. And that is our hope. And that is the thing that we should remember this morning is the sacrifice of Jesus as we take communion.
Ben, you can go ahead and come back up, or, or Nelson, however you guys are, are doing that this morning. Church, we're getting ready to, to take communion, and I want this to be a time of remembrance, that we do have victory in Jesus, because Jesus came and paid for his people. Jesus came and paid it all. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't believe in this, or maybe I've never done this. Let me tell you, now is the time to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. There's nothing else I could encourage you with this morning. Anything else I would say would be in vain. Anything else I would say would be nothing but a road to destruction. What you need to hear, the encouragement you, as someone who does not believe in the gospel, you need to hear is that Jesus came so that those who believe would not perish. And for those of you who do believe, you've repented of your sins and believed in Jesus, we invite you to the table this morning to come and to feast spiritually on Christ. This is not the literal body of Christ. This is not the literal blood. But we remember and are partaking of the sacrifice Christ made. We remember the, the agony our Lord suffered on the cross. In his humanity, he suffered. In his deity, he conquered. And that's what we ought to remember this morning. Brother Matt and Jeremy, if you all would uh, come up this morning and, and serve here in the front. And then if I could get um, Michelle and uh, Nelson. Is, is Michelle here? Luke? No, not here. So Luke, I'm going to have you. The better half, they say, right? Is that how that works? The wives are always the better half, right? You and then uh, Brother Jeremy Newman, if you could snack him. It's actually going to be in the back. We're going to have a station in the back, too. That way, everybody in the back can, can go and get communion. So you can grab that there. There you are, Jeremy. And then we have prepackaged communion. Pretty fancy here. So if, if you all want these, these are also gluten-free. So you can grab these and take those back to your seat. But church, I, I want to remind everybody here this morning that this is a sacred time at the Lord's table, and it is for believers who have rested all their hope on the death and resurrection of Christ. If you're not yet a believer, either repent and believe in the gospel this morning and partake and remember the sacrifice that Christ made, or withhold and come and ask us any questions that you have about the gospel. And for those of you who are Christians, we encourage you to examine your heart so that you can partake in a worthy Manner. If your heart is harboring up unrepentant sin, refrain until you can freely partake. Don't refrain until next month. Handle your business now and come partake. Remember the sacrifice. This, church, this should be the gospel clearly presented to you this morning. Remembering the sacrifice should cause us to handle our sin now, not wait till later. Because we remember that Jesus came and he paid the price, not us. As the bread and cup are served this morning, we ask that you hold them and take them back to your seat so that we can all partake together. I'm going to pray for us, and as you all are ready, you can come up and grab the body and the blood. Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for us. Thank you for this, this family that you've adopted us into, and I pray that we would see the need to be an encouragement to one another, both in our giving and our sharing and also our remembrance. God, that we, as we gather and we, as we encourage, do all things because of the sacrifice you made. Not just in dying, but in saving us. God, this is your work and your work alone. So we come to you humbly this morning, thanking you. We come to you humbly this morning, remembering what Christ did. So Lord, as we partake, I pray that we would partake in a worthy manner. I pray that we would be convicted of our sin, and God, that we would confront our sin. We would repent, 
and partake. For those of you uh, in attendance this morning, God, that don't know you, pray that you would draw them to yourself. God, you would give them faith, they would repent, and they would believe in you this morning. We would celebrate that. Father God, we just pray that you would just continue to move amongst us this morning as we reflect on, on our lives before and after you. And we remember what you did, what we could never do, that you gave what we could never deserve. So Father, be with us and lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come as you're ready. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me pray for the bread. Lord Jesus, when you came into the world, you said, Father, sacrifices and, burnt off and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. 
In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then you said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. You came in the incarnation and by a single offering of your body on the cross achieved what no other offering could ever accomplish, the complete forgiveness of our sins. Bread of heaven, as we now partake of the symbol, we pray that you would ravish our hearts and refresh our souls. Amen. Jesus said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this and remember to me. Christ's body broken for you. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let me pray. Gracious God, we thank you this day for the new covenant, the covenant sealed through the blood of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. And we drink this cup in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice for our sins, asking him now through the Spirit to commune with us as we commune with each other. With grateful hearts, O Lord, we drink of you and to you. Amen. Jesus said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Christ's blood shed for you. Church, I just want to leave you with some encouragement. As you remember the sacrifice of Christ as you go out, it makes it easier to make the sacrifice to speak up and to encourage one another. Even in those awkward situations when you don't want to speak up, remember the sacrifice of Christ. Don't remember that you're a Christian. Remember why you're a Christian. Because Christ saved you by his sacrifice, by the Spirit drawing you to the Father through the Son. That is good news, and it's something that should encourage us all the day long. Amen? Church, go ahead and stand up. I'm going to end before we uh, sing this last song with God is good. Here we go. We got some. Here we go. I'm, God is good. And all the time. Be encouraged and let's sing to our Lord.